0: We will send 1,900,000,000 Christmas cards this year. Can a single Christmas card make any difference? Some of the recipients of our cards are mainstays on our mailing list. Brothers and sisters, cousins and uncles. Other addressees gradually fade from the list the next door neighbor who moved to Arizona, the fraternity or sorority friend who joined the other political party, your former pastor. 1.9 billion cards, give or take a few hundred thousand. Can a single card tip the scales toward love and mercy? In the light of school shootings, devastating tornadoes, and Omicron anxiety, these glittering greeting cards adorned with wise men, shepherds, and hovering Bethlehem stars seem rather quaint. For nearly 40 years, I exchanged Christmas greetings with First Sergeant Retired William E. Johnson, 1700 Armory Road, Barstow, California. One of the joys of each Advent season for me was the day his card arrived. This career non-commissioned officer and I served together for two years at Company C 43rd Engineer Battalion Construction, Fort Benning, Georgia. Three months earlier, I had been a 22-year-old history teacher in the Vietnam War era, and now a draftee. I was Charging Charlie's Company Clerk, a 71-hotel in military fatigues reporting for daily duty to the orderly room where 1st Sergeant Johnson held forth at a strategically located desk while his company clerk, armed with a typewriter, followed his barking orders from a smaller desk on the back wall. This profane tyrant was my boss, my mentor, and my mentor. I addressed him as top. you didn't call him First Sergeant Johnson you called him top and top, who had spent close to 30 years in the army including duty in Korea and Vietnam, commandeered that orderly room with ferocity. If you were a screw-up, you eventually trembled in front of top, where the books, so to speak, were opened, and the sheep were separated from the goats. He had a fiery glint in his eye, wavering between mischievous and meanness. He was trilingual when it came to profanity. And I picked up a few of his colorful expressions that I cannot repeat in this pulpit or many other places for that matter. If you strutted into Top's domain as a malingerer or a derelict of duty, you skulked out of his presence dressed down in the timeless military way. It was 1st Sergeant Johnson who made us engineers pick up our step, straighten our slouch, and obey orders or suffer the consequences. But there was another side to top. When the misfits left the orderly room, his persona would subtly change. He would let his guard down, never all the way down, mind you, but, but he would become approachable and real. He could display flashes of humor and goodness in doses that, if if not equal to, at least somewhat atoned for his unpredictable bluster and gruffness. When I returned to the orderly room, a newly married soldier, Top's wedding gift was there to greet me. He called me podner, as in partner. And he nicknamed me Henny, the only person who's ever called me Henny and the only way I ever signed my Christmas cards to him. Topps military retirement and my discharge nearly coincided. For a while I exchanged Christmas greetings with a handful of army friends. But eventually it got down to this complex man who taught me many lessons, positive and negative, about leadership and manhood. As the decades sped by, we exchanged annual Christmas greetings. We reminisced about life in the orderly room and how we tried to rehabilitate the malingerers of Charge and Charlie. Top complained about the new modern army, reported on his family, and lavishly bragged on his company clerk who had exchanged a typewriter for a Bible. I saluted his exceptional leadership, described to him whatever church I happened to be serving, and rejoiced with him for living a life free from alcohol dependency. In our fourth decade of exchanging greetings, his card brought me the sad news that his wife, Esther, had died. He was heartbroken. One year later came the Christmas I had been dreading. In 2011, I received no card from Top. I had no phone number. His wife had died. I knew none of his adult children. I searched the Barstow County, uh, the Barstow, California funeral homes and online obituary pages, nothing. I grieved and agonized. And then, not long before Christmas that year, I received this brief email. Dear Reverend Henshaw, I am Bill Johnson's daughter, Renee. My father passed in 2011 on Father's Day. He died at home of a heart attack. He is at peace. He had quite a hard year after my mother died. I know that my dad appreciated your friendship and always looked forward to hearing from you. I wanted you to know. That was all. That was it. I emailed Renee back, describing in some depth my admiration for Top, her father. Would she please send me a link to his obituary? I needed some closure. Soon I received her candid reply. Dear Creed, two weeks ago I prayed to God and the angels that I would find a way to set the hate free that burned in me because of my father. When he died, I hadn't seen or spoken to him in six months. I sent him weekly letters about what my family was doing with no response, no call, nor would he answer my calls. He finally called four days before he died to wish my son a happy birthday. It was the first time he'd called in years, and pride stopped me from talking to him. It was the last phone call he was to make. Oh, that blasted pride. I prayed because I could not find many redeeming things in him, Creed. I did not write an obituary for dad. He asked to have no funeral. He gave his body to science and my brother scattered his ashes. Her email continued, hate will tire you out. You put it in a corner of your heart and it seems to pop up at the worst times. It was time to send my hate to heaven for God to heal, but how could it be done? Then I stumbled across the Christmas card you had sent Dad in 2011, and I felt compelled to find you. Your church website gave me your email, and so I wrote, hoping against hope for a response from you. I was not sure why I wrote, Now, I definitely know why. It was so that you could give me this loving gift of sharing your truth about my dad and his goodness. I need to hear that it existed. Now, with his sister's help, I believe I could write an obituary. I know how much you meant to dad because you could see the good in him when others could not or would not. I so look forward to hearing from you with much gratitude, Renee. Can one Christmas card make a difference? I consider my correspondence with Renee to be a Christmas miracle both for my connection with her and for her coming to some peace in her relationship with her father. Renee and I first made contact by email in 2011. Now, for 10 years, she and I have exchanged Christmas cards and her Christmas card is one of the highlights of my Christmas season. When I called Renee this week to ask her permission to tell this story, she immediately agreed. And she may be watching us on live stream from California. If so, Merry Christmas, Renee. When the Holy Spirit gets involved, one single glittering Christmas card can become an instrument for reconciliation. At Bethlehem, God has turned toward us. Let us now turn toward each other. Peace on earth, good will to all. Merry Christmas, top. Your partner, Henny.